The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. Clay Link here with lead prospect writer James Anderson, back from a little hiatus. James, good to be talking with you. And by the way, thanks to New Day, N-E-U-D-A-E, at New Day Music on Twitter. Thanks for the new intro song. I asked New Me, and it doesn't really have a title yet, so we'll just call it the new intro song for now. But a lot of positive feedback on that one. It is a banger. I'm yeah. happy to have it. I mean, people, the people that listen to this pod... No bangers, and mm-hmm. this is a certified banger. Yeah, it has the cert- certification of a banger, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, that's a it's really good to get that into the mix. And uh, again, N E U D A E, New Day music, really good beats and good rhymes too. I heard, you know, making the drive back from Minneapolis last weekend, uh, our friend Kevin O'Brien was playing me some. Some unheard uh, new me, some new day that wow. I had not heard. It was pretty good. That's pretty exclusive. Yeah, it was the, that exclusive uh, tip, so I appreciated that. James, not a one-set topic here today, but going to be talking about a variety of players, 
guys who have been on the move and what maybe fans should expect uh, with the returns for some of the guys on the move at the deadline. Yeah, I didn't have time to do an article this week. Uh, after the trade deadline, I'll be doing uh, the second annual uh, organizational ranks where I just have a completely fresh top 400 and then assign grades to each farm system based on how many guys they have in different ranges of the top 400. Uh, so that'll be a really big project. So I've got to get the, the 400 looking all sharp and everything in advance of the trade deadline passing, uh, just so that everyone can kind of see where all the orgs kind of stand after all these moves with a lot of players switching organizations. But, uh, this week I, I feel like, you know, I got some stuff I kind of want to get off my chest regarding, uh, some of these deals involving prospects. And then uh, I think that, you know, we could probably start things off with some really sad news on a former prospect, a prospect near and dear to your heart, Jesse Winker, out yeah. for the year with shoulder surgery. Yeah, that's really a big bummer, especially because he looked like a guy who could, especially with this recent surge, maybe push for NL Rookie of the Year. It sucks, but given what you told me, and I hadn't seen this, but apparently this has been an issue for him for several years since he was at, what, low A? Yeah, um, pretty he, impressive that he was able to play at this level through that. He said he's been dealing with this shoulder problem since A ball, which and then the injury uh, last night or the other night was the the final straw that kind of forced him into surgery. But I think that's definitely something worth pointing out, just because you know he's been kind of playing at not one hundred percent basically this entire time in in pro ball. Uh, so. I mean, the fact that he's been able to do as much with the bat as he has, I mean, it, the, guy's, the guy was slashing like 300, 400, 430 at the time of the injury. I mean, that's really, really advanced stuff. Uh, and he's, you know, rookie eligible, as you said. And it just kind of makes me wonder, I mean, we, we really have no idea what his power ceiling is once he's 100% healthy. Now, that might... You know, I wouldn't expect him to just hit the ground running in 2019 and just start hitting for a bunch of power, but maybe 2020, 2021, when he kind of gets to, to full strength, hopefully, with that shoulder, you know, we've seen a lot of guys that with that super advanced hit tool, they are able to exceed everyone's expectations in the power department. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, three years down the road, Jesse Winker's a guy that hits 300, gets on base over 400% of the time, or, uh, over 40% of the time and maybe get you 25 home runs, which would be a hell of a player. Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, he was a pretty good value this draft season. I mean, obviously now you have to cut bait, but he was very useful in most leagues while playing. And I think next year he'll be a, a pretty good value as well, just coming off the surgery. Um, yeah, expected to be ready for spring training next year. Good to get this out of the way now. Hopefully we see a an even better Jesse Winker next season. Another young player at the major league level, still prospect eligible, Kyle Tucker. He's been disappointing so far, 154, 233, 231. Uh, but do you think the reaction to his struggles is a pretty big overreaction? Yeah, I just I don't know how you could even draw any reactions. Mm -hmm. Like what what can you draw from this 43 plate appearance sample? I mean, it's not like he's striking out a ton. He's striking out at almost a, the exact same clip as he did at every single level of the minors, 20%. And he's walking 7% of the time. 
it just seems like a, a small sample, like fluky thing. Like he hasn't had a home run yet, but I've seen him make some good contact and, uh, you know, it's just you, it's 14 you, games. You really, really can't draw anything from this. And I know, uh, you know, it's trade season. So there's speculation. The Astros might add a bat, but you can't like, they could definitely add a bat and it would make their team better, but you shouldn't be saying, well, they have to add a bat because Kyle Tucker's struggling. Mm-hmm. Like that's just kind of faulty analysis. Like we've seen plenty of guys get off to slow starts. His teammate, Alex Bregman, a, a very famous example, got off to just one of the worst starts ever. And, and now he's uh, one of the best players in baseball. Mike Trout didn't get off to a good start to his professional career. I mean, you just, you know, if, if he was striking out like 38% of the time or something like that, then I would say that's a little bit of cause for concern, right? Because mm-hmm. he's maybe just not quite ready for big league pitching, but I'd, I don't see any red flags at all really with, with Kyle Tucker's profile. So if someone's cut bait on him in a, in a redraft league, uh, or maybe even if they haven't, I, I think it's, it's a worthwhile uh, time to just kind of check in and say like, Hey, like, do you want to, you want to pass him off to me? I'll give you a something useful and i really think it's possible that kyle tucker's got uh, some value still to offer in, in 2018 yeah it's interesting yeah i saw you you know quote tweet the ken rosenthal tweet about tucker and i have a lot of respect for ken rosenthal but oh, I, i'm with you like i think that's just an overreaction to the point at his numbers through 14 games and say they have to upgrade at that position yeah i love ken rosenthal no. i would just i mean he's just kind of his job is to kind of like lay out like where teams might be looking to add. Yeah, sure. I just think it's it's silly to say that they have to add because of Kyle Tucker's start. Yeah, the Bregman comp is really good because he was terrible, but now look at him. I mean, he's one of the best players in the game and one of the best fantasy options for sure. And Kyle Tucker's been a guy that at a lot of stops, uh, full season stops, Arizona Fall League, like – He's a little streaky. Like he'll he'll go through some lulls. Uh, I just I don't think you can read anything into this. I still like him a lot. I think he's a borderline top ten prospect, uh, potential five category guy, and I think the Astros like him a lot too. I, I don't think that they're panicking at all. Yeah, a lot of top prospects come out of the gate slow. I mean, it's a lot of guys come out hot, but I think it's kind of the majority. You know, come up to the highest level, there's an adjustment period, and I think that's. I believe st- still, too, that Tucker is going to get get on track. But, James, let's talk about some of these deals that have gone down already. I'm sure there will be a f- flurry of activity still to come with the deadline looming next week. But the one of the bigger trades so far has been the Zach Britton deal. Uh, he was moved, of course, to the Yankees. They get Dylan Tate, Jason Rod, Josh Rogers, rather, and uh, Cody Carroll. Tate now traded twice in his young professional career as the former number four overall pick. What are your thoughts on him as, as the key piece in this return? I, I think the O's did very well. I think that they got a significantly better return for Britain than like the Royals got for Kelvin Herrera. And I think Britain probably has a higher upside as a, as a playoff reliever than Herrera, but I mean, still, you know, two really good relievers, uh, you just, it's, it's a, I just want everyone to realize it is absolutely a buyer's market and it will be for the foreseeable future. Teams just will not part with top prospects. If you can get a guy like Tate, who obviously, you know, guys with his pedigree, if 
there was a high likelihood that he was going to be uh, an impact starter. He wouldn't have been dealt once, let alone twice. And both of those times for kind of rentals that could make an impact, you know, with the Rangers, he was traded for one or for two months of Carlos Beltran. Uh, this time, two months of Zach Britton. So not high-end big league players. But, um, I mean, you just you wouldn't trade a guy like this if it was likely that he was going to end up as like a number two starter, but he, he still has pretty decent stuff. And I think there's, you know, I think the most likely scenario is probably like either number four starter or eighth inning reliever. Uh, but there's outcomes on, on either side of that. I mean, he could be a number three. He could even, if just everything breaks perfectly, I think he could still be a borderline number two. Um, although that's a, that's a very low likelihood at this point. Uh, he could be a closer. I mean, it's just, there, there's a lot of outcomes where he's providing the Orioles big league value for six plus seasons. So I, I think they did pretty well to get a guy of that caliber for, for Britain. And a lot of time has passed since they moved Machado, but what do you think about the Machado return? I, I really, I I'm kind of annoyed by, the general kind of coverage of that trade because it's it's like people are expecting like I've heard it compared to the the Chapman trade where oh, the, no. the Yankees got Glaber Torres and sure like that's probably the best haul anyone's gonna get for a rental over the next 10 years like it's just not fair to compare any package to that package because you were dealing with just a once in a lifetime scenario where you had this team like the Cubs where they were just so desperate to get that World Series mm-hmm. uh, that they were they were willing to kind of just let it all hang out and that's just not the way teams do business typically mm-hmm. and I think you can look at um, really any other trade of a of a two month rental other than the Chapman trade. And this hall stacks up with any of them, as it should, because he's Manny Machado. But mm-hmm. to just say, well, you know, they didn't, they didn't get like a guy that's got star potential for Manny Machado. Like nobody was offering a guy with star potential. Yeah. Like I don't even think the Brewers were offering Corbin Burns in that deal. Uh, I don't think the Phillies were offering anything close to a star level player for that. And the the Dodgers. You know, the best prospect this regime's probably traded is Jordan Alvarez, but when they traded Jordan Alvarez, he was not even close to a top 100 prospect at the time. He's just turned into this guy. <laughs> and Yusniel Diaz, to me, is by far the best real-life prospect this regime has traded at the, at the time of the trade. I mean, he's a top 50 prospect in real life. I think he's a you know borderline top 25 prospect for fantasy just because I think... He's a guy with a a really nice chance to hit, you know, 285, 290 in the big leagues. I think a lot of people uh, differ as to what type of power they're expecting from him. But, I mean, as we've learned time and time again, a guy that has that kind of command of the strike zone, that kind of bat-to-ball ability, and, I mean, he's got a really quick bat. He's got good size. Like, I just – I don't think we can say for certain at all where his power is going to end up. I mean, he could be a 15-homer guy. He could be a 30-homer guy. And uh, not going to provide a ton of value, I don't think, in the field. He could play left. He could play right. But in that ballpark, uh, I mean, he could be a really, really uh, productive fantasy contributor. So I thought it was a really nice haul. The the pieces they got uh, thrown in there – 
you know, kind of flyer types, pop-up types. Dean Kramer, I think, is a little interesting if you just look at the strikeouts. But, you know, in all likelihood, he's probably going to be a, a reliever down the road. But I really think they did well to have a guy like Diaz headline that package. And I, I think it's foolish to say that they could have done better than that. Yeah, it seemed pretty clearly like the Brewers were not going to match that or any other team. But just kind of on the, the wider topic that you're referring to, you know, as much as as much as you and I beat the drum about it being a seller's market, keeping expectations reasonable, a lot of fans across the country are going to be disappointed over the coming days about the returns for their star players. Yeah, it's inevitable. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a buyer's market. Like, that's just teams are so protective of controllable young players mm-hmm. that, I mean, to get, I, I'm, I mean, we saw with, uh, we'll we'll touch on the Jay Happ trade, but I mean, you're just, A, there aren't going to be really any more high-end players moved at this deadline, I don't think. I mean, unless the Rays get overwhelmed on an Archer deal or the, the Mets get overwhelmed on a uh, deal for one of their top two pitchers. If somebody steps up for Scoots. <laughs> somebody, somebody, somebody comes with a real serious offer for Scooter Jeanette. Um but no, I mean, like there there will be some good fantasy players moved, like you know, a guy like Brian Dozier could get moved, Eduardo Escobar, uh, as Drupal Cabrera, like all those like second basemen who are kind of hit over field guys, uh, they they could all get moved. But none of those guys are going to return anything, especially considering how many of them are out there on the market. Like if the Twins land like a back, like if they land a guy that like ranks. 120th on my top 400 I think that'd be pretty good for Brian Dozier like Mm -hmm. you you should not ever be the rest of the trades that are expected to happen uh I mean I I think any team would be lucky to get a guy like Dylan Tate as the headliner for any of these players that are expected to get moved so I just think people need to adjust their expectations on these deals like just because the the guy that gets traded is a big time household name and you've you've heard of him he's he's been awesome two months of that guy especially on a team that you know, might be a wild card team. Might only get to play one playoff game. Like that's just not worth a ton. It, mm-hmm. it just really isn't. I mean, it might be worth like a win and a half, like best case scenario, the rest of the way. And that's just not worth giving up a a prospect that you think is going to turn into something special. Yeah, absolutely. Dozier is an interesting case because I maybe I, maybe I'm wrong here, but I feel like in past years he'd be a guy who could be like a qualifying offer candidate. I don't know how bad his defense has gotten, but. Uh, I think we may see fewer of those this year because after the free agent market last year, I think more players would be inclined to take a qualifying offer if they were given it. Yeah, I mean, really all those guys I mentioned, they'd probably be wise to take the (laughs) QO. And I think think agents and players are kind of coming around on that way of thinking because they've just seen so many guys in recent years get sort of shut out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you just – even if it's just one year, if you're making – uh, 17 million or whatever it is. Um, that's probably better than you would do on just like a, even like a two year deal. Like go ask Mike Moustakis if he wishes he'd take it as as like Lynn and Holland, all those guys should have taken those. But yeah, I think with that in mind, like teams knowing that they wouldn't want to extend a qualifying offer would be happier to take some returns that maybe don't look all that stellar, but getting something back and, and like I think AJ Preller kind of is the the trailblazer of of this way of thinking, where you're better off targeting 
like a 17 year old or an 18 year old in a rookie league who's only played like 25 pro games, Mm -hmm. you're better targeting a guy like that before he pops than trying to get that close to the big league guy, Mm -hmm. which I know a lot of these front offices, you know, maybe your, your job's on the line. You need that guy to get to the big leagues, but uh, the only real way to win these trades, unless you're dealing with a team that hasn't won a world series in like a hundred years is to, get that Fernando Tatis, that Asturi Ruiz guy that was down in rookie ball that you think is going to be something special, but maybe the rest of the industry hasn't realized that yet. By the way, just closing the book on the the Orioles, um, that's nice of them to finally start dabbling in the international market. What a novel concept. Hey, how about that? Beefing (laughs) Beefing up that international scouting. Good for them. Uh, you mentioned Preller. Of course, he swung a big trade recently, trading Brad Hand and uh, what Simber, Adam Simber, for mm-hmm. Francisco Mejia. I think I know how you feel about that trade, but uh, why don't you just tell us? Well, I, I don't. I mean, I honestly don't mind it. I mean, what? I just know you're not a big Mejia guy. Yeah, but it, it's the main reason I was not a big Mejia guy is I just didn't think the Indians were ever going to give him time uh, behind the dish, and I didn't really see him playing any other position to like a high enough level where he would get every day at bats. And I think that that was kind of borne out with this trade. Like if the Indians liked him as a catcher, he wouldn't have been in this trade. They obviously did not. And Brad hands pretty awesome though. Yeah. Surprised they weren't able to get a little bit more. Um, well, I think the, the, the Padres can afford to just let Mejia kind of, if he sucks behind the plate, like they, I don't know. I don't, I don't know when they plan on contending, but they've shown uh, a willingness to sacrifice defense all over the place. Like playing Will Myers in the outfield. Um, that's, you know, playing Hunter Renfro at all. I mean, that they're, they're not dead set on fielding the best defensive team they can. And maybe it's a, maybe it's a nice trade-off where you have Austin Hedges, who's awesome at defense, and Francisco Mejia, who's awesome at hitting relative to other catchers. Maybe you can kind of make that, that tandem work. So I, I think this trade, just from a Dynasty League perspective, uh, gives Mejia's value like a slight boost, just because we can say with more certainty that he'll at least be getting looks behind the dish and he'll keep that eligibility. I'm not sure how often he's going to play, uh, but I think he will end up being a pretty useful catcher, even in one catcher leagues now. Where does he play though? If the catching thing doesn't work out, like even at the, a low, very low level, like if it just isn't working out, can he? I know they tried the outfield and it didn't really work. Um, you know, it's it's funny. Like he his hitting this year, like he was really heating up before this trade, but it was kind of tied to him moving back behind the plate, and mm-hmm. I I don't think that that's just coincidence i think with catchers especially uh they kind of are just so used to catching that i think it might translate over to the hitting side too um when he was playing in the outfield it wasn't that great but he also just wasn't hitting at all um you know i think third base is kind of the easiest position to move a catcher to just because there's less to learn over there i think mejia just looks like a second baseman uh, he doesn't even look like a catcher like he he's maybe five ten maybe five nine 
Um, but second base is a, is a tougher position to learn if you've been catching your whole life. Uh, and mm-hmm. obviously there's injury risk there that there isn't really at third base. So uh, I think that they're going to give him a pretty long look as a catcher and just kind of see what happens. So if he did move somewhere, I would probably predict third base uh, just because I think the transition would be easiest, but I don't see that happening in the next year. Yeah, I don't love the move for the Padres. I mean, Mejia can hit and the bat should play elsewhere, but um, I mean, they just signed hand to that extension. That's a really pretty team-friendly deal. I honestly think that like it's just another example of how it's such a buyer's market mm-hmm. um i i'm sure that they you know a guy like brad hand you would think uh like if you compare like he's he's definitely not andrew miller um but he's maybe 85 90 percent of andrew miller and you yeah. look at the hall the yankees got for andrew miller who, who was under team control i mean justice sheffield clint frazier uh from a real life standpoint, I think at the time of that trade are both better were both better prospects than um Mejia was at the time of this trade. So it's just it's tough to get stuff. And I think that they were just willing to say, like, hey, maybe we can fix this guy's defensive problems. We love the bat. We'll find a spot for him. This is the best that anyone's offering us. Um, you know, I I understand it. I I feel like I probably would have found an, a package I liked more, but it it's, seems in line with the valuations going on right now. Yeah, it makes me w- make w- makes me want the Reds to hold on to Iglesias, just because at least until the off season, just because the the return I feel like would be pretty underwhelming. We, we'd trade you Jacob Nottingham. Uh, I think we'll stay put. Uh, <laughs> but a quick note from our sponsor, fantasy baseball fans. Season is in full swing, and with baseball season comes Fanduel offering the most exciting ways to play fantasy baseball no matter what you're looking for. FanDuel, the excitement of fantasy baseball without the full-season grind. Something for everyone, tons of different contests and formats to choose from, starting at just 25 cents. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and enjoy watching your results in real time. Play against your friends for bragging rights or play against the public for millions in cash prizes. Let's take advantage of our special offer for new users. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash rw you'll get a free six-month rotowire subscription which will help give you all the tools you need to be successful with your first deposit on fanduel just visit fanduel.com slash rw void were prohibited the j hap trade went down finally today they got uh in exchange for hap brandon drury and billy mckinney another offer or return that you know probably underwhelmed that toronto fan base but I still have some faith in Drury being useful. I know they kind of have a lot of pieces like Drury right now in that middle infield or in that infield in general. But um, what do you think about this one? Do you think McKinney could end up uh, being a a useful fantasy guy? Well, McKinney definitely needed a trade for his fantasy value to be anything. I was never really going to profile in that Yankees lineup. But this is like one of the worst spots i could picture him going to just because they it's already kind of crowded there Mm -hmm. uh i could see him being their long-term designated hitter once once uh once kendrys morales is done and they're you know ready to call it on that i i mean i don't i don't think mckinney's a great defender um so i think that you could see him get looks at, at dh for them uh, his his stock is definitely up, just the fact that he's away from New York. I mean, any trade would have 
resulted in his stock going up. Uh, but you know, I think with Teoscar Hernandez, um, Kevin Pillar when he's healthy, Grichik's been Grichik. Like I think those three are all probably better real life players than McKinney. Uh, McKinney might be able to hit for the highest average of those of those four guys. I just you know when you factor in the defense. I mean, he's hitting for a ton of power right now at AAA, so maybe he won't hit for a higher average than those guys because it seems like he's kind of selling out a little bit to, to get to that pop. But, uh, you know, he's a he's a guy that belongs on a 25-man roster, so that's something for, for a guy like Jay Happ. And then, I mean, Drury, like what, what's your take on Drury? I just really haven't paid that much attention to him because he just hasn't been a prospect for, for several yeah, years. Yeah, I mean, he's had a bad year, but it's been small sample – sporadic opportunities was hurt of course but um you know i just thought he showed flashes hard hit rate was all right last year um just a guy who kind of looks the part a little bit and i thought he could at least be useful in the, in the right setting we'll see I mean, I mean i think at this point he's probably like a well the lack of defensive versatility hurts a little bit but he can play a little third a little second i still think he could be a guy who's with regular playing time like a 15 team corner or middle guy but i don't know at this point it's probably you know the upside is is clearly pretty limited i think it was kind of funny seeing brian cashman's quotes after this like he's like hey you got to put your chips in the middle of the table like if you want to play it's like <laughs> billy mckinney and brandon jury isn't necessarily yeah. putting your chips in the middle of the table yeah especially <laughs> after jury just got beat out for that job and i saw a quote too that was just like that's the business of baseball like, yeah it was he was full survival of, of the yeah, fittest. He was full of uh, baseball Cliches, sayings today. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, he like they have so many electric, exciting pitching prospects and and like young teenager teenage position players in that system. If they'd given up one of those guys with upside, then I would say, yeah, you're you're cashing in some chips. But yeah. when you're trading like the twenty. <laughs> fourth man on your 25 man roster and then like some guy that's barely on your 40 man roster like that's that's not really pushing in your chips i think they were probably happy to to only have to give up those two guys yeah Yeah, exactly not chips just spare parts how do you think the rays did for eovaldi um they did i think they did okay Um, jalen beaks i mean not a bad prospect i i think that he's just a big league arm i don't know what the role is going to be uh I think it's anywhere from fifth starter to middle reliever. Uh, so not exciting at all really for fantasy, but just from a real-life perspective, he's, he's a big league arm. He's a lefty. Uh, they, they have under control now for six years. And he probably, you know, if, if he was ever going to work as a starter, that's probably one of the best places for him to end up because he'll just do the thing where he turns the lineup lineup over once and, and hands the ball off to the next guy. And I think mm-hmm. that he's he's capable of doing that, especially if you can bring him in uh, to a, a lefty-heavy lineup, uh, maybe even as the second guy. Maybe someone else starts it off. They don't know that you're going to use Beaks, and then the, they have lefties in there. He comes in and, and mm-hmm. mows them down for, for a couple innings. I think that that's... That's the role I see him in. I don't. I don't see upside for him as a starting pitcher, especially not with Tampa Bay because they're just not. They're not dumb enough to let him go like five or six innings and, and get his head beat in. Yeah, I'm with you there. Tampa Bay is going to be an interesting team to watch. They have a lot of guys that they're kind of expected to trade off. Wilson Ramos, I know he's hurt, but I think he could maybe be back and get traded. Um, 
Sergio Romo, too. They have a lot of guys who would make sense for them to deal. Third baseman, Sergio Romo. <laughs> yeah. That was crazy. I, I kind of like that, though, just, you know, taking him, putting him there against um, some pull-heavy lefty. Yeah. I forget who it was. But somebody who was a very small chance to hit it to third and putting him back there. I think he was the first guy to play third base and record the save in, like, 100 years or something. Um but James, I'm trying to think of some other trades, and I'm blanking right now. The Sung Hwano one. Oh yeah, right? yeah. Huh? How about that? <laughs> what uh, What do you make of that one? Uh, Spanberger is a you know he's a legitimate prospect. He's he's a classic Rocky in that he's 22 and he's at low A, but uh, really taking advantage of Lancaster. 22 bombs, 16 steals, 315 average. I mean, you really shouldn't weigh those numbers heavily at all, given his age and the the hitting conditions. But um, he's, I I think that I think the Rockies actually got a bit of a steal just because I love O's contract. Like he has a team option for next year. I think that's like two million, um, and he's been pitching lights out. But it's it's kind of hilarious just given how much the Rockies spent on those three relievers yeah. this past off season and two of them have sucked and the others Wade Davis, who's having the worst year of his career. So, uh, they probably don't want to spend, don't want to commit like 70 million or whatever it was to, to three relievers and free agency, uh, when you can just trade two of your, like, you know, neither, neither Forrest wall or Chad Spanberger were in the Rockies, top 15 for me i don't think before this trade actually they might have been in the middle just because it's not a very deep system but um i mean cashing those two guys in for a reliever of o's caliber i think is a really nice move for the rockies and uh, i put spamberger i think at number 20 on the blue jays top 20 and then force wall would be 21 if we went that deep uh so not big time prospects i mean Force Wall is another guy that's really taken advantage of of some of those favorable hitting conditions in that Rocky system. Uh, but, I mean, it, there's a chance. There's a chance with both guys. I mean, that they're, they're far enough away from the big leagues. There's enough development ahead of them that maybe you get an everyday player out of one of those guys. I don't, I don't think it's a high likelihood, but it, it's possible. By the way, were you able to get Garrett Hampson anywhere last um, weekend? I did not. I what was my bid on him and had a bid on him in TGFBI. Uh I think it was like in the forties or fifties, so not super aggressive. Missed out on him there. I have another non aggressive bid on him in, in our stake league, uh just because I only have twelve dollars in fab left and not gonna blow the bank just mm-hmm. yet there. Um and I, I know you're really high on him just generally. Yeah, I love I love Garrett Hampson. Uh, I think that he's I mean he's hit even I mean factor in the Rockies, you know, advantageous ballparks all you want. He's still he's hit over 300 I think at every single stop and he's got 70 grade speed. I mean, playing in that ballpark, I think there's a chance that you're talking about a a big time uh three category guy that could someday hit near the top of that lineup steal 30 bases score a bunch of runs like that's i don't think that's the most likely outcome but i think it's one of the possible outcomes and all he needs to do is just find a way to be an everyday player and you're going to get a ton of steals like that's 
the thing I like most about him. He gets playing Coors Field. So even if the hit tool isn't quite as good as it looks on paper, I think Coors Field will help it kind of stay up there, stay above where maybe the true talent level is for him. So I love that he beat Brendan Rodgers to the big league. So he gets this kind of first audition. Um, this is a team that's going to eventually have to start trading some of their uh position player prospects because they just have too many of them i mean they, they can't find playing time for for some of these guys so uh, i think hampson's getting a an audition right now if he makes the most of it i think there's a chance he's there opening day second baseman next year interesting well anybody who's got your stash senses tingling lately with these <laughs> trades i'm thinking about sean reed foley i saw somebody on twitter has mentioned that too but he's the guy that i feel like with hap departing is a guy to stash. Yeah, I I definitely wouldn't be surprised if he comes up. I guess I would be a little surprised if he had immediate success. Just not a guy that's got great command. I know he's made some strides this year cutting down the walks, but I really I could see him being a little all over the place in in his first couple outings. Definitely has a lot of strikeout upside. Um but I think there's there's a decent amount of reliever risk there long term. One guy that I just wrote a note on this afternoon who I think is worth stashing in some of those deeper leagues if you're in need of steals is Roman Quinn because there's a pretty good chance that he comes up tomorrow and works as their fourth outfielder. I'm not sure how long he'll be up, but, uh, I mean, the guy the guy would steal a base a week even in a part-time role, mm-hmm. uh, so... I mean, if, you, if you're in a deep league and you need steals, Roman Quinn's a, a guy I'd keep my eye on. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate the insight. As always, James, great stuff. We will move on to the hip-hop countdown at this point. Are we in the top five now? Yeah, number Ooh, five. Yeah, this is a big one. Mine is one that's already showed up on your list, um, Above the Clouds. Oh, yeah, nice. Gangstar featuring Inspector Deck. I actually just dusted off the full clip um double disc oh, best that's, of that's amazing threw it in the ride and just loved gangstar is awesome man yeah r.i.p R- guru and uh that's really sad but they really hold up well and i was thinking you know behind the wu-tang clan and maybe public enemy gangstar is uh for me maybe next in line in terms of best hip-hop groups of all time over outcast uh, that's that's a good point. <laughs> uh, I think I'll probably have to throw out cast above them, but top five. I I don't know where they rank for me, but I think they're probably the most underrated group of mm-hmm. all time. Like they never get brought up. When yeah, like I was trying to play some in Vegas, and people were like, oh, "Gangstar." I don't really know know much of their stuff. Like if you don't know Gangstar, then you are you are missing the boat. Yeah. <laughs> like, Gangstar kicks ass. Get, I mean, it, I, I wish I didn't know Gangstar because then I would have the next like three months to only listen to Gangstar and love it. Uh, yeah. but just discover Gangstar, man. I mean, I, I love all their albums. I mean, you're right. Like they, they hold up in a big way. Uh, they really do. You know, Guru's awesome. Premier's awesome. Yeah, um, that's a that's a great track. We got to bring it this week because I mean people weren't feeling uh, our choices at number six. I if I'm correct, I remember. You know, I I do f- I have some immediate remorse over putting uh, get a superstar that high, but I still love the song. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, mine is ain't no fun 
by Ooh, Snoop Dogg nice. featuring Nate Dogg, Corrupt, and Warren G. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, classic track. I'm sure everyone's heard that one. Uh, you know, it's Nate Dogg just slays that that first, that opening kind of croon session, I guess. <laughs> um, pretty misogynistic track. Um, maybe doesn't hold up all that well uh, in terms of being politically correct and all that stuff. Yeah. But look, I mean, it, you yeah. know, I think that they were, <laughs> I think that they were rapping about uh, kind of their everyday lives in that one. Um, I don't think that they were saying anything that wasn't real life to true, them. True to the game. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just a, you know, it's kind of a funny track if you're if you kind of let yourself go a little bit. I mean, it's it's pretty funny. It's you know a lot of good versus corrupt corrupt is really angry as as he typically is um you know corrupt is pretty underrated oh yeah i actually liked a couple of his solo well space boogie smoke odyssey and the streets is a mother yeah oh yeah really definitely an underrated mc um but yeah ain't no fun off of doggy style 1993 i'm sure everyone's heard that one but if you haven't i think you'll be in for a treat by the way, some other another gangstar collab, which is not really like a hip hop collab because he just does the hook, but the song with like JoJo, uh, Royalty, uh-huh. from Casey and JoJo. I, think I, it's I don't JoJo. think I've heard that one. Ooh, definitely wanted to check. Oh no! That. Oh yeah! No Royalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course, a, it's a good ass song. They have some good collabs too, but I think uh, <clears throat> yeah, Above the Clouds just stands out. It's just really one of my favorite tracks of all time, but. That'll do it for us, guys. We appreciate you listening. We'll catch you next week on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, brought to you by FanDuel. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.